Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today's show is an interview I did with Captain Gerard Urbanozo early this summer. We discuss fishing Lake Michigan from Winthrop Harbor, Illinois. Topics include seasonalities, best tactics, and Gerard's favorite colors. Gerard, uh, tell us about yourself first. Let's get started with that. So I've been fishing Lake Michigan since I was a kid. Um, actually, I first started in 1988 on the piers. And I've always looked at all the boats coming out. And, you know, someday I'm like, man, I, I wish I could be a charter boat captain someday. And, and you know, I bought my first boat eventually after college and worked, got my hours and got the class and got my cha uh, charter captain and a friend of mine's like, hey, you can work for me and learn mm -hmm. as the first mate. And I did for a while. And finally he said, okay, it's your turn. You can run the afternoon trips, which was the tougher of the two. You know, right. your, the morning trips were always the hero trips in the afternoon. You really had to work for it. So yeah, he got to carry the ball down the hill and made you carry it back up the hill. Yes, so, but it was good. <laughs> it was a good learning experience, you know, working on the guys on our dock here at Winthrop Harbor. They're all really helpful, you know, mm -hmm. from, you know, giving you tips to catching you on a bad docking. So it, it made it really easy for me to learn. Very cool. Well, Gerard's gonna be with us all night long. He's gonna co-host the show. Uh, we've got a lot of cool guests coming on. Captain Dan Keating will be on here in about 20 minutes. Uh, and we've got Captain Sarah Sandal coming on, uh, Caleb Wiener, we've got Al Johnson, uh, Arnie Arredondo, uh, Captain Jason Woda, we're gonna have Rob Wendell and uh, Michael from Lake Michigan Angler joining us later on as well. So a lot of cool guests tonight. We'll be talking fishing here all night long. So hope to, hope that you can join us. And if you've got any questions, go ahead and drop them in the comments. We'll get those to our guests as well. And uh, just start uh, talking some fishing. Looks like uh, we got Meat Man on YouTube uh, watching as well. We got Tom Stark over on Facebook dropping in. So just thanks to everybody for stopping in and watching tonight. Uh, Gerard, let's talk about kind of what's going on on Lake Michigan right now. We're kind of on the south end. We're just north of Chicago here at Lake Michigan Angler. We're, you know, we're just south of that Wisconsin-Illinois border on the west side of Lake Michigan. Tell us about kind of what's, how the fishery's setting up this year. What's it look like? So we had an early um, ice out, well, I mean, at least harbor ice out. So we were able to launch our boat earlier this year. And to our surprise, we actually had a really good, uh, strong coho season in April. Uh, usually... You know, we don't see them until later in the, in the month, in mm -hmm. April, and it gets better in May. Mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, a lot of bait at the harbor, harbor mouths, and that's where the cohos were this year. And I've noticed too that the bigger cohos are right at the harbor mouths, and as you got farther away, the cohos were a lot smaller, and those cohos, when you open them up, they were loaded with gobies instead of alewives. Mm -hmm. So the cohos that were bigger were able to feed on the larger alewives, and they got bigger faster. And so I just kind of stuck around the harbor mouths and found that those were more better quality fish. So there were our fish that were hungrier, like the little guys. They definitely see a food, a spoon, or a fly, and they were ready to eat it. You know, when you got away from the harbor, but they were smaller. Yeah. So you, you, closer to shore is where the food was, and that's that's where the fish were. Yeah, definitely. There's a plume that comes out of the harbor. You know, provides a little warmer water and food for for the yellow eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, 
fish are, are similar to, to humans, you know. You get a guy like me, I'm going to be close to the buffet. Mm -hmm. And a guy like you, you know, you can go out and swim around and maybe maybe find some of the good stuff. So that's kind of where the fish are too. Where that food is, that's where the big ones want to hang out. Definitely. And, I, you know, talking to one of the guys from U.S. Fish and Wildlife, Last year, and he said, if there's big, big bait around, you know, the kings are going to be there too. And sure enough, this year, uh, we've seen them earlier, and there seems like they're sticking around. We usually get a first push of kings mid-May, and they kind of move through, and then they kind of disappear, and then it gets better again, June, July, until August, and then those are our local fish. So we've always thought that these were kind of transient fish are moving right through us, but this year they've stuck around. So there's been a lot of good catches of nice kinks in our area. Yeah, so those, those cohos, this is the place where those cohos are kind of strong. You know, the, this area is really, really well known as a kind of a coho fishery in May. They, they kind of go through in May, and you said those kings go off. So when, when you kind of lose that coho rush, those kings go through, is this more of like a lake trout fishery at that point for a while? Um, not until August, but lately it's been good. We've had kings stick around throughout August and then our returning fish, you know, they kind of supplement that in August now, which has been a lot stronger than let's say five, eight years ago. So it's been a consistent bite. Um, even throughout Staminorama, we've had good king fishing down here. There's a river flow going into this area and it creates a mud line Urbanozo says using that mud line to your advantage can help put fish in the boat. Uh, the mud line can actually, can actually be, you know, packed by the wind as long as you have a steady east wind and it can be almost vertical. But if it releases, mm -hmm. you can actually fish inside the mud and it'll be clear underneath it. So you almost have a, you know, an undercut. Yeah. So the kings will actually stay underneath that mud line, depending on how far the water clarity is underneath it. And then the bait fish will do the same, they'll hide underneath that mud line. So that northeast wind, how does that affect that mud line and how does it affect, you know, what we'll do to set up to fish tomorrow? Okay. So for us here, um, east, northeast, we'll, we'll keep, like I said, it, it blows and keeps it tight to shore. So we'll be okay, but if it switches to the west, mm -hmm. then it pushes, that water then pushes out, so then that muddy water will spread out even to you know, 60, 70, 80, 100 feet. Mm -hmm. So then you'll have to sometimes push farther out away from that. So then, then we start getting real sporty. And it could, yes. Tomorrow <laughs> might, might be a little sporty, you know, but we'll give it a try. Yeah, Gerard called today and he's like, hey, we, we might be running into some waves tomorrow. Do you want to go out in a bigger boat? And I said, you know what? It's, it's been a while since I've been on a good shoving run, so let's give it a shot. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, they hopefully it lays down. It's supposed to lay down mm -hmm. later tonight. But there's always residual, and so that's one of the things that you know we talk about with small boats is just because it lays down doesn't mean the waves are gone. You're coming out of the harbor. You're going to have rollers right there in front of the harbor. So you still have to be careful when you're going out in a 16 to 20 foot boat. There you're going to have you're going to be facing rollers right up outside the harbor. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. We do got a question coming in off of Facebook from Tom, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, we're going to go in a small boat, and that's something that I think uh, is a growing section of our sport. It's a growing group of people that are getting into our sport. Um, talk a little bit about 
small boat fishing and some things that, that people that are going to go out on a maybe an 18 to 20 footer need to think about that somebody that's going to go fishing out of a boat that's going to sit in the marina you know 25 27 28 30 footer what are some things that, that we're going to have to be thinking about tomorrow that they will well the first thing would be uh you know to be safe basically watch look at the weather for us here on the uh, western side of Lake Michigan, you know, west wind is always our friend. Mm -hmm. We do get a wind shadow or anything under 15 miles an hour is gonna be fine. Um, make sure you have all the safety equipment you need, all the life jackets, VHF radio, and you know, your flares, or now they have the battery operated ones, those are nice. And you know, just double check everything, that anything that the Coast Guard requires to make sure that you have that on your boat before you get out. Very good. Um, how, how about handling those waves? So you talked about getting outside the harbor, having that, um, you know, that you're, you're running into those waves. How about just running that boat? What are some things on the boat um, as far as running your boat that, that we're gonna be doing tomorrow that you're gonna be doing to try to make that, that ride a little bit better? So looking at the wind tomorrow, um, we'll probably have to come out and you know, and troll with the wind as much as we can. If it's east northeast, we'll probably troll with the wind as much as possible, at least on setup, so we don't have to fight it. Mm -hmm. And then we'll try to control the boat. You know, depending on the direction of the current, then we'll we'll turn the boat. Uh, we'll try to find a good a good line because sometimes you have to go against or with the current to find a good a good line to catch fish. So that's where you look at your rod. The way your dipsies bend, mm -hmm. if there's current, then you can't catch fish or going the wrong way. You know, you look at your right side dipsy or port side dipsy and your starboard side dipsy. If you're if you're drifting, one side's not going to have much pressure on it, so it's barely bending while the, while the other dipsy is bending pretty good. So, you know, and that's where something like a fish hawk would tell you which way the current is going. Mm -hmm. So that would really help a lot to determine. How much current we have underneath us so just having that just to see how that current is working is going to help out a lot um but just as far as handling that boat so i'm assuming we're going to be running your kicker mm -hmm. and, and then your bow mount to steer how do you kind of run your boat in a day where it's going to be a little bit rough when it's a little bit more rough i definitely crank up my the front trolling motor Mm -hmm. um, when it's nice and calm, I'll probably, I always try to set it as low as possible, three to four and a half. But when it's rougher, I'll try to go six to try to keep the boat pointed straight. Mm -hmm. so, and, and also the kicker, you, know, you, you work it in tandem, the kicker goes, uh, it, it barely moves actually on the kicker side. And I'll, ju I'll just keep, hit the throttle just a little bit and let the front of the boat kind of control the boat when it's rough. All right, let's uh, let's get to uh, Tom's question, and I'm going to kind of set this up as as pretty much any lake, any time. But uh, Tom wants to know how soon would a thermocline set up on a given lake, being that it's been a slow warming this spring. So so how does that thermocline set up? How is that affected on on a spring like this where it seemed like we didn't have that horrible winter that we've had, mm -hmm. but it just never made it to spring. I mean, it was you know it, we started warming up pretty late in the year. So actually yesterday we had water temps in the 60s and this morning um, it was actually in the 50s. So if we have a nice calm spring day that water actually warms up pretty fast on the surface. So mm -hmm. as we all know surface or warm water floats on top mm -hmm. and the wind can break that down easily. 
So as long as we, as we have some calmer days, the water can warm up and the wind really dictates a lot of the water temperature in Lake Michigan. So yeah. I do a lot of water sampling for, for my work and we monitor a lot of the beaches and I've seen where we get three days of west wind in August, 100 degree days, and that beach temperature is 42 degrees after three days of west wind, so it can break it down. So our thermocline here is predicated on wind, and wind is wind driven. Uh, if you get a north wind, it'll push a lot of that warm water south mm -hmm. during the summer, so then we'll have 70 degree water 90 feet down. So that's where your thermocline is, 90 yeah. feet down, which is good. It helps us a lot because it eliminates 90% of the water where fish should be. Mm -hmm. So we talked about where that thermocline is and and you know, let's kind of break this down And I know for a lot of people this may be kind of old hat, but you're going you're looking for that thermocline You say it eliminates water. Mm -hmm. So those fish are looking for that preferred water temperature And again, that's another one of those deals We talked about the fish hawk helping you out with current mm -hmm. But having that temperature data and knowing where that temperature is that preferred temperature where those fish are is really important and when you say it, it eliminates water how, how does it do that? So fish don't really want to stay in, in water above their preferred temperature. So, you know, kings will be in the 53 or lower mm -hmm. as their preferred temp. However, a lot of times they will feed in 70 degree water right away when the sun just crack it on. They're going to be there, there's bait, they're going to eat, and then they're going to leave. So if you get out just before sunrise, you set up for here in Winter Harbor, we have the hills in front of us in 40 to 50 feet of water, then it drops off at 60, so we have a nice little break line that's really, really steep. And the kings will come in there, even if the water is near 70 degrees or around 70 degrees, just to feed in the morning. But if you don't, didn't know that the temperature was you know, 70 degrees all the way down to the bottom, you might stay there a little bit too long mm -hmm. and not follow the fish back out. So they'll feed for an hour or two and then head back out deeper. It's kind of like going out and having your barbecue outside and then you got to go back inside with the air conditioning's on and lay down. Definitely, yes. After you have your barbecue. Yeah, you got to have that comfort zone inside. But with kings, they're going to still keep feeding all day. So mm -hmm. they'll probably go out deeper and find a comfort zone, but it's, they'll still feed. Find, find that comfortable area to feed because hanging out in that 70 degree water isn't, isn't where they want to be. No, it's, it's not. I mean, they definitely are not happy in that water temp. Yeah. So again, tomorrow is going to be a little bit of a different deal because we're going to be running into uh, sunshine as well. Right. Not a lot of cloud cover. So how does that affect your program tomorrow? Well, hopefully a little bit of that uh, water color, color will help us a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. We'll probably push out a little deep, bit deeper and try to find some fish. You know, we'll, we'll definitely start off shallow and then push out deeper. It seems like that's you know, what we do here if the fish are, are feeding in shallow early in the morning and we can follow them out. But a lot of times they'll stick around as long as we got 40, 50 degree water right now. So they're going to stick around near shore. All right, so every area kind of has their color and their thing. Mm -hmm. So what, what's the color here? What's the thing here? What, what are you going to have on the business end of these lines? Okay, so probably the most basic standard color for us here is like a stinger blue dolphin. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't go wrong with that caramel dolphin. And over the years, the moonshine wonder bread is a staple. You, you can't go wrong with that one. Last year, I think everyone was running um, Anything with red, 
was good. Um, but, and on our flies, it's basically anything with green. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's good. You can't go wrong with a, a fly that has a green, green gold, green mirage, or the bullfrog. Uh, the Howie bullfrog is probably one of the number one flies that I use, and everyone else will have. You can't go wrong with that one either. Hey everyone, just want to let you know I'm working on a new podcast that you'll see popping up soon. It's called the Western Fishing Podcast, and it focuses on pursuing trout, salmon, and other species west of the Great Lakes. If that type of fishing interests you, keep an eye out over the next few weeks for the first episodes. Thanks for listening. This week, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.